0: Hi, I'm Nigel Campbell, editor of Jazz in the Islands magazine, with another episode of Island Jazz Chat, a podcast featuring conversations with Caribbean jazz and pan jazz musicians based in the islands and the diaspora. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Island Jazz Chat. Tonight, I have the pleasure of speaking to educator, musician, composer, an ethnic jazz impresario, impresaria. Ladies and gentlemen, Chantal Esdel. Chantel, how are you?
1: I'm well, thank you for that warm welcome, Nigel.
0: I try a thing, you know it is. (laughs) Yeah, in this this podcast series, we have conversations with um, Caribbean jazz artists, pan jazz artists, and I think you fit the mold better than a lot of these others because you, you partake in a kind of Caribbean jazz that is rooted certainly in the Trinidad tradition, Trinidad Calypso tradition. And I think it was a journalist who called it ethnic jazz, am I correct on that word?
1: Yes, Simon Lee. used mm-hmm. the phrase "ethnic jazz," probably about in nineteen ninety something, and I found it sounded good at the time, mm-hmm. so I used it as the uh, name for my company, the Ethnic Jazz Club. Have you trademarked it?
0: It's just a question I always ask of of business people in the industry. Trademarking is that a hot thing? Is that something you've done yet?
1: Uh, well. I haven't trademarked the name. We are registered as a business. But
0: well, there you go. Well, that, that's that's enough. If okay. you're a registered business, then you get it. So yeah. let's let's go all the way back to the beginning. Now, tell me about your musical beginnings and your, certainly your business beginnings. Let's go back to the beginning. How did you get into this music, your education, going forward? Let's talk.
1: Okay. Well, my dad was friends with a lady called Miss Louise McIntosh. Mm-hmm ran a music school in Tunapuna here in Trinidad and Tobago called Panpipers. Mm -hmm. And when I was four, uh, four plus, Mm -hmm. my dad went to visit Louise, I think on a totally different matter because they were friends and I said that I wanted to stay and, um, and asked if I could play the piano. They had not started taking people as young as myself yet. But since I had asked it and uh, my parents had seen that I was very interested in music, I mean, from age four, I had a record player and I actually played their records and my records. And, you know, I always looked like I had something in my head, going some music playing in my head. I was signed up for lessons with Louise McIntosh. She was a conductor for Klondike's in Pan Festival and and for Exodus as well at one point. And... She had pan a steel pan ensemble at her music school. And so when I was eight, I started playing pan at Pan Pipers as well. So she did the Royal School exam. So at her music school, I, I went through the courses of doing graded piano exams, mm-hmm. one to eight. I think I might have skipped six or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um I went at the opportunities when I could have skipped, I was not skipped because I'd started so young. She's like, you know... You might as well just go through the steps. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And um, I went to Bishop Anstey High School and the choir mistress at that time was Jocelyn Seeley. Mm -hmm. She was my voice, my vocal coach. So I did uh, singing exams with her, Royal -hmm. School again. But I'd started with um, Hazel, Thorpe Graham, because she was the adjunct vocal teacher at Panpipers. So I did grade three with her, and then five, seven, and eight with Jocelyn Seeley.
0: Proper groundation in 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 music theory from school age. This is good.
1: From
0: school That's age. important. I think that's
1: important. This
0: is in the 90s? 80s. 80s, sorry. 80s. I didn't, want, I didn't want to give away age, but okay, fine. <laughs> the 80s. In the, but, in the 80s. Yeah, go
1: ahead. I, I, I went to university in, in the 90s, so mm. I was... School. Pan- I really saw pipers as my main existence. I just went to school because they said you had to. Mm-hmm. So the way I was going to an arts school, mm-hmm. that was my main focus. Because I went there for my piano lesson. Maureen Clement, who was a past panpiper, had recorder uh, ensemble. So I played that there. Mm-hmm. Steel pan ensemble with Miss McIntosh. Then she had choir as well. So I was there practically all week. And Mm. all day on a Saturday. And then in school, I was, you know, in high school, I was very much involved in all the music things that had anything to do with music and music festival. Mm. So Pan Festival was something I came by through Pan Pipers as well. I started soloing in school Steel Band Festival around the age of 14. Mm -hmm. So as as a young pianist, it was easy for me to take take pieces and transcribe it or adapt it for Pan. And my music teacher would listen to me and give pointers on, you know, performance directions and so on. Mm -hmm. And then after doing the school steel band festival solo competition for two years, I entered the senior steel band solo competition in 92. And that's when I won. I tied with Liam Teague. Wow. So did not know this. Yes, so (laughs) Professor Liam Teague, go ahead Joint Steel Pan Solo Champion 1992 There you go So that was Pan And also because I like Pan a lot Well, not Mm -hmm. I like Pan a lot I grew up close to Pan My dad was a member of Highlanders Mm -hmm. And my mom was P.R.O. in All Stars in the 80s as well And she was the P.R.O. during the time when they had lost the sponsor Catelli as it well. He to be
0: Catelli, yeah, the spaghetti yeah, company.
1: Was, mm. so she she was in the band all that time and I, Pan was close to them and so it was close to me so I was very involved in Pan. And my high school bishops at the time did not have a a steel pan ensemble so I played pan for 19 I think it's 91 no yes somewhere somewhere around there
0: early 90s
1: Early 90s, early 90s. um, But when I first entered school, I was 80-something, 89 or something like that. So mm-hmm. I trying to remember when I capped off in, in the 90s. I, I played know. with Eduardo Senior Comprehensive and that's where I met Clarence Morris and played for Tropical Angel Harps, for Panoramas. Mm-hmm. As a young people, a young person, I played with a lot of people for Panoramas. Sydney Joseph and Valley Harps, Clarence Morris. I went to Pandemonium because I always adored Clive Bradley.
0: Clive Bradley, yeah.
1: Always mm-hmm. adored. Mm-hmm. Uh eight years old when I first heard my parents didn't take me to Panorama from the get go. My mother mm-hmm. used to do CDC as well at one point when Bacchus was the chairman. Yes. And um and they used to take me to the shows carnival things, of course. Mm-hmm. That was big in my family as well. And I, they didn't take me to Panorama. I guess because in those days it was really, really crowded and they left me at home at my aunt.
0: It was two days of madness, I can tell you that. <laughs> Absolute chaos.
1: So I um I stayed home at my aunt and I listened to Panorama on the radio.
0: Mm-hmm. Not a good experience.
1: As an eight-year-old, I it was a, I, I was very, I was checking because I really, I love Panorama. So when I was when I heard my mother, as I said, was all-stars, when I heard them play Rebecca, mm-hmm. And then I heard Desperados play Rebecca. I told them when they came to pick me up that their band sounded well, but there was an arrangement that was better. And judge. It was And I said, and I really, and, and then they talked about this man, Clive Bradley, and I saw him as a tall, dark man, creating all this beautiful music. Of course, mm-hmm. I was very surprised when I joined Pandemonium as a teen and met this short red. Short
0: man. Red. Yeah, he was not <laughs> that tall. Yeah.
1: What miserable Mr. Bradley, who, but I always admire Mr. Bradley, mm. Mr. Rodney, and Mr. Andre Tanker. I'm, I'm really glad that in my lifetime, I got to play with and for all three of them.
0: Those are three important musicians in what I call Trinidad music, generally, kind of nation music. Rodney, certainly with his innovations. Uh, Andre Tanker was a composer of, I wouldn't say, he was just an original composer who, who straddled Calypso soca. Pop, jazz, everything in between. Kai Bradley, as you recognize, is probably one of the best arrangers of music. To me, one of the finest interpreters of Lord Kitchener's music. This is just my opinions. But I like the the um the trajectory in which you're going because there's something that suggests that your groundation certainly was very local, very Trinidadian in a sense. Mm-hmm. And a number of the artists that we've spoken to on this podcast, of course, always highlight some American artists that they've been a fan of, certainly in jazz, as it was. But um, I do remember those three names that you called because I'd written a piece in Jazz in the Islands magazine that actually highlighted those three persons, Clyde Bradley, Andrew Tanker, and Earl Rodney, in terms of your musical formation as it was. But I like what I hear. But somewhere along this point, not somewhere, somewhere after this point, I think after high school, I do know that you had gone abroad to music school. Is that an easy transition straight from high school into music school or you had a, a gap? It was a. It,
1: it was it was an easy transition. I took a I took a gap year, as they call it now, or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a year off, as as we called it then. Although it wasn't off, I taught at Archibald Vocational Institute for Girls during that time, mm-hmm. and it, music. It, it, you taught music. Yes, I taught music, mm-hmm. and I thought I thought it was a natural progression because the people at Pipers that I had seen in front of me, mm-hmm. that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, Sat Sharma went to Eastman. Uh, Leslie, Wo- um, Leslie Ward went to, went to Indiana, Kwame Ryan went, everybody just went on to music school Marcus, Tom Park, all of those people were students and they just went on to music and I wanted to do music so the natural <laughs> thing was to just go on to, <laughs> do, music. to do music <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I had applied to three universities because at the start my interest was uh, in music production and engineering mm-hmm. and so I applied to USC, uh, Berkeley, and then two other places. I can't remember if I applied to them or they were just giving offering me spots. Anyway, the mm-hmm. long and short of it is that Berkeley was I was getting the largest amount of help towards my tuition, which was scholarship money. Save save a thousand U.S. dollars per year.
2: And that's a uh,
1: from thing. from Berkeley College of Music, and also I had. The support of Orville Wright. Mm-hmm. So rest in peace. And uh, Ron Reed also, as soon as I got my first gig in Boston, was with Ron on Sunsteel. Mm-hmm. Ron is a, a professor a there,
0: at, yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We did a gig at a beer place. So I went to Berkeley and I started with music production and engineering. But then I realized that I really prefer to write. Mm-hmm. So I switched to jazz composition. And so
0: mm-hmm.
1: I graduated with... um
0: What year you graduated?
1: ninety. Seven, ninety-seven. 97, yeah, because I did ten.
2: 94,
1: mm-hmm. so 97, three years, because cause I did A-levels, mm-hmm. and you know that always gives you a little, a boost, a little yes. mm-hmm. so, I, so I tested out to some things, and I was able to, well not only A-levels, but grade eight piano, and voice too, mm-hmm. so, you know, I get a little push, so I didn't take the full form, three, and a semester to do my uh, portfolio, my composition portfolio, so I graduated in 97. What, what is that
0: composition portfolio for? Persons who are unfamiliar with that, you have to write a bunch of pieces
1: and Several. perform it. Yes, everything in the portfolio has to be played. So uh-huh. you had to make a. Yeah, I, I did. No, I may. I, I'm sure I'm gonna forget. Mm-hmm. I had to do a fake book. Yes, oh. not just wow. a, fake, a fake book of. Mm-hmm. Um, there were twelve to fifteen pieces, and they each had certain requirements. Mm-hmm. So, fake book. Uh, a small ensemble piece, a big band arrangement, a free composition—some, you know, it mm. was a binder when you were finished with it, of I course. Really. Mm-hmm. So, and of, and 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 the trusted weekly always is, of course, that you you have things played. So, mm-hmm. you also had to do a final recital with—not mm. all, but a, a great majority of your pieces.
0: That that music that you were not so much learning, but. Writing for your portfolio was it reflective of what would become ethnic jazz, or were you just mimicking American jazz? Oh, all unquote?
1: my all my stuff was all my stuff was very kaiso,
0: kaiso based. Very,
1: okay. very, very kaiso. In fact, I wrote kaiso kaiso, which is one of my pieces.
0: Mm, I wrote album. that album at school. Oh, okay, because that was the next question I was going to ask. Did some of that material in the um in your portfolio end up in your first album, New Hope, in two thousand? Yeah.
1: Kaizo so ended up on the album. That's the only piece that ended up on that one. Second album, Embezo Moyen, Embezo mm-hmm. Moyen, and Final Farewell were in that portfolio.
0: In that portfolio. Oh, so, you've, so compositions have actually made it to recording because one of the things that I have always not argued about, but kind of insisted and hoped, because I understand it. Well, I understand. I, I know and I recognize that the music industry, certainly in Trinidad and maybe the wider Caribbean, is an expensive undertaking. And there's a kind the, the live music industry is not as profitable. And as lucrative as it would be in North America. So a number of artists don't record. They may compose, perform it in a live club and that kind of thing. But if you don't go to that show, that's the end of the music, which I think is unfortunate. I think we have to build a canon of music. So kudos to those who do the recordings. And well, you've done your recordings, as you said. But um, after you left...
1: Another one within the next few months
0: ah good news we'll talk about that later but after you've left berkeley you came back home i did okay i did i I
1: I, I, I was it was never my intention to stay in north america so Mm -hmm. i came back home
0: yeah one of our former guests clifford charles had mentioned that you taught him at university of west indies i did look at that you see so, you have be nurturing a whole new generation of musicians and jazz musicians here right there in Kudos to you for that. So, um, well, obviously, I just said it. You came back and you started UE Music. Is that correct?
1: I did. Dr. Mm-hmm. Anne um, Marion Osborne, who also is a, uh, a past member of my alma mater, Bishop Anstey, mm-hmm. she was head of the Creative Arts Music Program. And mm-hmm. she spoke to me about coming to teach there. Mm-hmm. And of course, I went and I taught uh, uh, what a contemporary piano class, mm-hmm. a composition class, an air training class. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so that that's what I did there. I, I taught there for two two years. It might have been two years or three years. Mm-hmm. It wasn't more than three.
0: Okay, so about two two years plus, but less than three. three. Got you.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that was that was good, and I'm glad that she asked me to do that. She was one of the one of the elders that reached out to me on my return because on my return, Andre Tanker also called and invited me to play with One Wheel Contraband, which I did for several years.
0: There you go. Did you record and with him?
1: I did not record with Andre, but he is the first person that I was exposed to regional
2: mm.
1: uh, festivals with. So I I did St Lucia Jazz and Martinique Biennale guitar festival and they had a string of things in trinidad i forget the names S- of them Steel still
0: pan jazz festival i remember seeing the band oh. at um spectacular forum i particularly yeah i always remember it tanya maria was here he was on stage and Dave valentine
1: there was a year we had something in the savannah too um
0: world beat festival
1: world beat or something was that world, yeah,
0: beat? world beat festival in 1999 i remember andrew was part of that also Right.
1: Baba <laughs> so, Mal and so on. I was yeah. on that show with him as well. Mm. Um, And also, that is the year when I came back when Clive Bradley returned home to Desperados. I've been a member of Desperados since I was, before I went to university I, in my mm. gap year, I played with Desperados. Even had, I'd gone to the Hill before, but had mm. not played so a long story. Anyway, but during we have time.
2: <laughs> <You> during, <forget.
1: laughs> so when I so during that that return year as well, that is the year that Clive returned to Desperados.
2: Mm.
1: and so I got to I got to experience all of that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I was invited to. I think maybe not the exact same year, but Senor Ruiz also invited me to play with the Ruiz brothers and it is through Senor that I personally met Il Rodney.
0: That's another name. I'm looking at the article as I said. Um, she's an acolyte of musical giants like Earl Rodney, Fortuny Ruiz, Clive Bradley, and Andrew Tanker, establishing her brand after returning from Berkeley College of Music in Boston in the 90s, out of, ne- out of necessity. A necessity to draw on the regional gifts that shape us as Caribbean people, much like our musical heroes did before. Tell me about unfortunate. Um, Is it fortunate we are talking about? Just before
2: you...
0: mm-hmm. Um because I, as a young a young listener, I've never been a musician, so I always listened to this music, and I'd been a fan of the single Caribbean Jazz since um, Clive Zander's record, thinking that that would be the music to take us globally more than this new thing that was happening called soca music. Well, that's a whole other story, but um, I remember that fortunately Ruiz had the technique, just like Guthrie and Fire Horns. So you could Mm -hmm. do those kind of, he could do all those kind of, I don't know the musical too, but it always blew my mind. And I said, wow, this, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. It didn't happen in the way that I was hoping, but um, you you had that experience with those musicians. I mean, clearly it was shaping your career and shaping your future in terms of musical ideas, but what was the environment like? And because the one thing that I had not said for our conversation so far, you're a woman playing jazz. Now you're a leader. And one of the very few female leaders, musicians in Trinidad, and probably regionally. We have a lot of female singers, but female players, it's not as as wide. But what was the environment like for you as a female within these bands, within this environment, working with these gentlemen, or working with the musicals musical groups here in Trinidad and Tobago?
1: Always encouraging, warm, inspiring, family-like. Excellent. Always. I, I forgot to mention Wayne Bruno, you know, when in my gap year, mm-hmm. I, because I was interested in music production and engineering, mm-hmm. Wayne was offering a course with Romani mm-hmm. right here in Turapuna by me. And I went to do it. And that's where I met Wayne. Mm-hmm. And so for a few uh, David Rudder recordings, because he was recording Rudder at the time, oh,
2: David Rally, yes. I
1: would, I would be like rolling up wire and whatever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do, <laughs> you know? grips.
1: Uh, and, and that, and I met and, and Curtis Ruiz, Played some bass on some of the things that Wayne was doing. And that's how I met Curtis.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I met his dad later through him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, so it, so it was always, and I did. And when I came back, that's another thing that I got to do as well. I, I got to play with Wayne, R- Wayne Bruno and rapid response on a couple gigs that Kenneth Batiste did not play on. So Kenneth mm-hmm. is a resident pianist for for rapid response. But mm-hmm. one year he didn't want to go to St. Lucia. so I went and did a six week stint with Wayne in St. Lucia, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. Always encouraging. Uh, they would always be very specific about what they required in playing, how they wanted space to be filled by keys. Mm-hmm. Because in a lot of recordings, Post 1986, maybe you can't really tell what the key's doing. So it was necessary for them to tell me what they wanted to hear and how, how to play. And I coupled that with how I heard pans strumming for Kaiso, Mm -hmm. which I find, which is interesting to me because I know that a lot of the people that I admire as, as arrangers would have, Mm -hmm. who, who would have also arranged for tent. So I like Earl and I like Mm Clive and I know how they have. Certain strums coming across when they're doing arrangements. And they would have been dictating that same pace for arrangements that they did for in the case of Clive, Kitchener tent, in the case of Earl, Sparrows, Troubadours. So uh so so being around them really helped me to understand and and be inside the music more, cause as a young person I would be looking at them and listening to them.
0: Absorbing. I wanted to ask you about that. I because you, you of course you spoke glowingly about what Clive and we know him. A lot of people know him as an arranger for pan. Were you ever intrigued or uh, thinking about arranging for steel band?
1: Well, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, all, all, all the time.
0: All the time.
1: I I think I and I oft, I often say this at performances. Mm-hmm. My group, Moyen, mm-hmm. does not it's not a steel band, but it is.
0: I like that, because because the other thing I was going to ask as a kind of g- general listener is something that I've always wondered about. Every year I go panorama, every year I hear these arrangements, all the different sections, and I wonder, just out of curiosity, what with all those different sounds, song like with what they call the, the kind of con- the classical rep, um, instrument selection—violins, strings, reeds, all that kind of thing—as opposed to just pan, pan, pan all the way through. Can the music be easily, can those arrangements be easily transferred to other instruments like a a big band, a a jazz big band, or a a symphony orchestra? Or is it completely different kind of arrangement? What is the difference between arranging for pan and arranging for those other ensembles?
1: Well, the thing with language is syntax. So whatever you're hearing, the impetus would be to adapt what is there on pan. Mm -hmm to sit equally well on what you're adapting it for. So Ma- Maraca, Ola- Orlando Valle Maraca of Cuba, did an album a few years ago. I can't remember the name, but it he featured Giovanni Hidalgo and Horacio Negro Negro Hernandez and uh, a small string ensemble. And they did basically traditional Cuban music but the the rhythms and patterns that would be played by some of the things were instead played by the strings
0: by the strings mm-hmm.
1: so you know some of the things that we would do in pan to establish rhythm mm-hmm. we would have to find uh we, we would have to find ways for the instruments we adapt in it to to do that as well
0: so, so it's not as simple as using a kind of traditional cello to mimic what is played on a cello pan. It's not... It's, well, it a, cello pan
1: might be, a cello pan would probably be easiest, one of the easier ones, because you could just take the line and tell them to play it. Okay. Mm-hmm. If, uh,
0: is that the same with a guitar pan? Because I know those names...
1: I guess the guitar pan would be strumming more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you would have to... I mean, uh, with ev- as with everything, it would take some thought.
0: It takes some thought. No it
1: takes some thought and you would have to work out what it is you're doing and mm-hmm. why you're doing it too.
0: Mm. You know? Does it make sense? And Who who are you, who are you ma- playing this music for? Who
1: are you playing it for?
0: Yeah. Okay. But um, critically, as I said, at this point, somewhere in the year 2000, you released your first album, New Hope, Chantal yeah. Ezell and Moyenne. Yeah. Tell me about the development of that album and what happened ultimately after the release here and abroad and anywhere.
1: Okay. Also on Returning whom I Met I met back up with mm-hmm. my longtime friend, Kevin Sobers, yes. who had been in Japan mm-hmm. because a lot of people from my generation of pan playing, we we went away
2: mm-hmm.
1: in the 90s, whether it was to go play in Japan or Disney World or study music or try, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I, when I came back, Sobers also had returned home and we started, the two of us, playing music, playing music that we wrote,
2: mm-hmm. playing
1: music that we like, pan and piano. And yes, Maria, a simple duet. yes, a simple duet. Maria Rivas, um, mm-hmm. uh, Macmillan, she gave us our first gig at country club for a guardian life event. They have a grand piano there. I sit on and play piano and they play pan. Mm-hmm. And then this, so uh, this is, I came home in 98. I hadn't, I didn't start to play for Tank until re- I came home at ni- the end of 97. Right, Moyen is 98, and towards the end of 98, I played with Tanka. But I went to a concert with Sobas, and I saw Junior, and Junior Rest Noah, yeah, was our yeah, foundation percussion African drummer. Hmm. And I said, I really like how this guy playing, I wonder if he'll play with us. And Sobas was like, he was in Japan with me. Wow. And asked Junior if he would... Play with us for a gig we had that weekend. I won't even tell you how much our gig was paying because it really pay. I, like <laughs> I want to know now. <laughs> you should have never said that. How much did they pay you for that gig? I think yeah. the gig was nine hundred dollars or something. Mm, mm, and I mm. said, June, you will play with us, and he said, Yes. What time? What time to come for the rehearsal? And, and the three of us, we were cutting gigs as a trio for a while, and then we launched Moyan on the twenty fifth of June, ninety eight,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and. Uh, I trying to remember if we had a bass player for that gig. Probably not. And pan piano and
0: and percussion and the yeah. djembe. He played djembe, or?
1: he played what? djembe most of the time. Yes, yeah. a stingin' kind of
0: mm-hmm.
1: a singing one. It had a plastic skin.
0: Oh, plastic! Yeah, mm-hmm. he had a pow. It had a pinked it. Yeah, he had a pow. This this powerful. The you know the names of of the different drum patterns, but it was a, when he hits with the flat on the edge, pow. It was very clear and loud and powerful, and as you well, of course you couldn't miss couldn't miss the sound, and you couldn't miss him performing yeah. and thing. so you performed as a trio, so for, um
1: for, for, for a while for a while when we, we okay, so we sorry, I get it the new hope, that's what they asked me, so mm-hmm. when we were going to record new hope. And Another friend of mine, Sean Thomas, who I'd known since I was nine years old, mm-hmm. because he had also sojourned in Pan Pipers. His father used to make pants for most of us in the East, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I, uh, and he had studied at New England Conservatory mm-hmm. and had actually bunked by me for a little bit because I was in Boston too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Cambridge, Boston, New England, everybody. everybody.
0: Yeah, everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah, everybody <laughs> it's it close enough and all of you from the one family.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I asked Sean to play drums and because I had been, I can't remember if I was in St. Lucia before. Yes, I would have been in St. Lucia before with the and with the Andre gig or whatever. Yes, because mm-hmm. it's 2000. So I'd have been in St. Lucia before for the Andre gig, possibly for the Wayne gig too, mm-hmm. although we might have been after. And I asked, and I'd met Moses O'Gees, who was a bass player in St. Lucia. Mm-hmm. So I asked Moses to play bass and Sean to play drums mm-hmm. for New Hope. Okay. And that's how, that's how we had that configuration. Me, Sobers, Junior, Sean, Moses as mm-hmm. the foundation for New Hope. And Michelle Marfa, and my good friend, played flute on just the New Hope track. Mm-hmm. And Terry Shaw played guitar on the Love Changes track because I heard guitar in my head when I was writing that song. So I wanted to have some sort of string representation. So I invited Terry to play Love Changes on that album. And we had the good fortune of having this space called Caribbean Song Basin.
0: Yes. Recorded. Recording studio. Probably yes. in the Caribbean at the time. Mm-hmm.
1: And Wayne Bruno, again, uh, introduced me to Sean Poland. And that's mm-hmm. how
0: he's the engineer to, there.
1: That's how we got to think about the recording of the album and so on at Caribbean Song Basin. Mm-hmm. And the blessing of my mother to help me with some money.
0: Seed so funding.
1: But then again, and then I had also worked at the Ministry of Tobago Affairs by that time. And they, they had been slow in paying me. So you I had a day
0: book. job? Was that a, a, when they say slow in paying me, it was a gig? Sorry, it was a, a contract <laughs> job or it was an employment? It was, it was a contract was job. I
1: was, I was working on setting up music in nine schools in Tobago.
0: You slow in paying me. Come on, what
1: <laughs> was that? You know, sometimes when you get your contract with the government, it takes a while for it to go through. And then they then they owe you, and then you get a a grap of money after like three months.
0: That has never happened. I, I, I've i heard stories like that. I'm sorry, but pay me, once I start with work, pay me. Have the money allocated if you actually hire me, pay me. But I understand that is how civil service Sometimes. happens in the anyway, I Anyway,
1: when I got the money as a grab, what it did is that I had it as a grab to help pay for that recording.
0: That helps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, the ancestors worked, worked mm. with me on that one, so... So we, we went to Caribbean Song Basin and then we did New Hope. That was our this album because it was all, it was always imparted to us at school in Berkeley mm-hmm. that if you, if you think your work is important enough, you need to record it.
0: Thank you very much, Berkeley. Thank you very much for that. Because I, I think, as I said, I, I've been one of those kind of nigglers of our local um senior record, 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 and I know at that point, also in 2000. A musician started to record in a big way in trying to uh, Michael Lao Chutong Ming with Elan Pale. He debuted in 2000, just like you. And he was like
1: I debuted in 98.
0: In 98. So <laughs> Yeah.
1: Moyen so is New, 98.
0: <laughs> New Hope, New New Hope was recorded in 1998?
1: No, New Hope was recorded in 2000. In but, 2000. The but the
0: band still. was from the 1998, yeah. 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 Well, this is what I'm saying. Um, Elan Parley's first album, um, Tribal Tribal Voices, was Launched in the same year as your album. But I was saying that Alan Parley was recording, recording. So like every year for the first four years or something. So it was an album a year. It was a it was of well, prolific music was happening. Terry didn't. Terry happened not a couple of years after Clifford. So it was really nice to hear that the music, scene was starting to percolate. And I wasn't even in that at the time, but I'd heard the music was happening here. And I said, ah, we're getting there. The Clive Zander dream of creating this original music is happening at the same time. But that there were there were changes in the scene and we, we all know how that worked out and things. But you at that point when you had developed your thing, did you tour with New Hope? When I say tour, were you getting gigs with Moyen at that time to not, festivals? Not,
1: not numerous, you know. We got mm. we got to um Grenada Spice Jazz in two thousand one. That's, that's
0: that's good. <laughs> you you toured.
1: We got to We got to Dominica. It wasn't really a tour. It was, well, it was a kind of, it was performance and a program. Mm -hmm. So, and that, and that, and that happened because we had an album. Mm. And then we did Havana International Jazz in 2004.
0: You're telling me this thing, lady. I did Premier Jazz Festival in the Caribbean, literally Premier as being the first. Go ahead, I'll listen (laughs) to you.
2: <laughs>
0: the really no, no, in, in the sense that I, 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 I re- I've written this article to be published in a journal about Caribbean jazz festivals and the impact of COVID. And in my research, I re- you recognize it as a, as a sequential festival. Cuba is the first. Havana, that Havana Jazz Festival, Plaza Jazz, I think it's called. Um, yeah. So they had yeah. been there earlier o'clock, and it we have admittedly focused on a lot of Cuban musicians. But I certainly want to continue talking to you about that Cuban connection doing cuba i think that's an important move certainly getting that gig um what was it called plaza jazz internet Cuban-
1: jazz jazz cuba jazz plaza
0: cuba yeah and that's that's an important yeah. gig
1: international jazz Festival.
0: yeah and it certainly opened the ears of an international audience so what you are doing this new thing called that simon lee called ethnic jazz and um i always love that term because it it it's rooted and hearing this story now i recognize that you you definitely were rooted in the, in the Caribbean tradition, in the Trinidad tradition, more so than in a North American tradition of what jazz is. Kudos to you for that. Um, going forward, you had you, you established a connection with the Cubans at that point because I know that down the road you had some recordings done in Cuba. Was that the that initial um, jazz plaza? Is that where you started the establishment of that connection within Cuba and yourself?
1: No, no. I went to Cuba first in two thousand. One or two mm-hmm. as part of a trade mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother was working in the Chamber of Commerce
2: mm-hmm. and her
1: friend Judith Marchand was with the British Chamber and they had organized a, a trade mission to Cuba. Mm-hmm. You know, people like Edus and all, all sorts of things were there. And the Cubans sent various people who were matched with the people who were in the mission. And so I got to meet with uh representatives from Abdallah, from the um from Musica Popular, as you know, Sanoha mm-hmm. and uh, I met and but the chief relationship that I nurtured was between Sanoha and and Beita as a fellow female
0: female pianist, yes beita. Mm-hmm.
1: So That's about 2001, 2002 Mm -hmm. And then El Maestro Chucho Mm -hmm. Had heard the album Mm -hmm.
0: He had heard your album?
1: Yes, he did He Mm likes Love Changes Chucho's story So I I, Because of Alexis Vasquez Who's uh, Maestro Chucho's good friend And They were the people who sort of Spearheaded or were spearheading Several things in Cuba at the time mm-hmm. Which would include The Jazz Festival And also include Joe Jazz mm-hmm. Which is the Junior Jazz Festival mm-hmm. So as Someone coming to Sanoha and Vasquez, and they, he he heard the album, and then I was asked to. I was told he. I never had actual. Con, no, I lie. I did have actual conversation with him, but this was in Boston. Mm-hmm. He came to to Berkeley to do a master class, mm-hmm. and I met him in the street before he went to do the master class. <laughs> and of course, well, this is Chucho. I just knelt, and he brought wow. me up wow so i and so I, I i asked him at that time, you know for his contact information, expecting some sort of u s address or whatever mm-hmm. I get his Havana address yes you was like well, what gonna do with so it, it i mean much later on so i I did not meet him when I was there mm-hmm. when I was there I did not meet him um so i'm i i am not i am not one of the 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 great people who has been in his presence in that sort of sense but definitely uh influenced by and inspired by his Mm -hmm. role as a Caribbean musician in his space Mm
2: -hmm. because he
1: has stayed true all the time to what we are about what kind of music we do improvising in our style also teaching people and developing business in our own space one of the things that happened in 2000 well I'm I speeding up a little bit. We'll, so, come on. we'll
0: go and come. We'll go and come. You go ahead.
1: So one of the things that happened in 2004 is playing in the Havana International Jazz Festival. You get to do three gigs. You do a jazz club at that time. You did a jazz club gig, a theater gig, and an outdoor gig. Wow. So my jazz gig was at Irakere Jazz Club. The mm-hmm. name in itself should... should yeah,
0: Irakere, yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, the, Paquito was on that, right? What, in Irakere? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the theatre performance was at the National Theatre because I'm not that good a performer that I would be at Karl Marx. Karl Marx is for like Chucho and choo
0: Chucho and them. Yeah.
1: Yes. So I was at National Theatre, but I was at National Theatre, and also Maraca Orlando Vai was at National Theatre as well. Mm. And I remember when when did Andre die? Oh, Two thousand three
0: early 2000 yes i i can't i can't be accurate on that
1: because but. i remember maraca asking me when we were at national theater how is andre? andre going because he had played at saint lucia jazz the same year that i had played with andre mm. and i had to inform him that he had died
0: yeah just passed okay yes. yeah.
1: so national theater and then the outdoor was Casa de la Musica, which is this outdoor. This is a building, and they have this large outdoor space. Mm-hmm. So they, they set up an outdoor stage, but there's also the building where they do the teach, where they teach people, and so on. And that outdoor space is like hundreds, of people just listening to music. So, yeah. uh, so, those are the three performances, and those are important to-
0: performances. That. I have to admit, yeah, That's an important space in the in the whole Caribbean jazz space. Cuba was Cuba. Yeah. If I understand my history correctly, Cuban musicians had gone to New Orleans way, 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 way back. And some of those early rhythms that they picked up there were influential in the formation of what the world now knows as jazz. Mm -hmm. And that exchange was an important thing. And certainly here in the Caribbean, and certainly what you had done, as I said, Simon Lee gave it the name ethnic jazz. Um, I would just call it Caribbean jazz, but I hear what he says and I hear what you say, because that is a kind of firm groundation that doesn't sway. Out and get influences from smooth jazz or or, or straight jazz or modal jazz. It, it utilizes improvisation, but it certainly cements itself in the essence and the DNA of the Caribbean. And you're one of the one of the few who's solid on that and sticks with it. And as you recognize, as I've recognized, only heroes, are Caribbean people, more poverty for that. That's that's so so important. But you have the musical knowledge to improvise that a a Berkeley degree doesn't hurt anybody that um that jazz debut because I know that one of the things that you've also done is you created this what I call the ethnic jazz club where you have performances what they call home concerts and you have lessons and classes but you also did a couple a couple releases which were very small one was called sound connection in 2010 and another one was called jazz debut 2004 which I'm assuming is that performance you did at Plaza jazz. Am I correct on that? That jazz debut? 2004?
1: No, Jazz debut was my inspiration. Mm. What, one of the things that came out, out of the trade, vi- trade visit to Havana mm-hmm. was I was, uh, I was asked to come back mm-hmm. to go to, to be an adjudicator for their young jazz competition, Joe jazz. Mm-hmm. And that was fantastic. Mm. Uh, Douglas Redon, my bass player now, base my player now. bass player, my mm-hmm. resident bass player. He loved Cuba, like, like you know. Mm-hmm. So the the, the he was like, "You're going?" I say, "Yes." This was in 2003. He say, "I come in too." So there he goes. came up, and so since we were there uh, at Amadeo Rodan, which is the um, the young people's conservatory, mm-hmm. we we played there
2: mm-hmm.
1: as part of that Jazz things as guests, and I was I was one of the judges. So. I um, I judged that. And when I came back home, I was like, you know, we should have something like this for young people. And so I had, at the time I was doing a weekly uh, presentation, not my group alone. I was organizing weekly presentations at K-POC, at Boa
2: mm-hmm.
1: And as part of that, and that, that that went on for some years, that was two or three years in the going. I
2: remember anyway, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So one of the things that I did during the Boakano stint was to have jazz debut which was encouraging young musicians to to come and play and you know and then we had jazz debut which was uh, sort of workshops and performances and I invited a team from Joe Jazz to come and play at UE for the final thing Bugsy was there too
0: Mm -hmm. Bugsy Sharp and
1: Bugsy Sharp Sharp was there too he sat in as well so out of that jazz debut uh, activity uh Carl Doyle and they formed what was the name of the group? Blue
0: Blue Wave Blue Wave. Ah Lord. I actually have his records. Yeah. I know yeah. <laughs> I'm forgetting. I, this
1: those is... young people were mm-hmm. part of the Jazz debut project. Mm-hmm. But that is what
0: Darren I, I think, and, yes. and Carl was part of that. They formed that the band.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. That is what they were in the jazz debut thing and when it when it was done they formed that mm-hmm. Blue Culture.
0: Blue Culture, yes. I'll go. Me for that one. Yeah, blue culture. Mm. Blue culture. Mm-hmm. So that
1: that was good. That that happened with that. So that that is what jazz debut was. Mm. Uh, then, so time passed. You know, it's it's difficult in Trinidad.
2: Hey.
1: We we, we had a transformation of Moyen. Mm-hmm. Uh, my longtime friend from since Pan Festival, Dave's Darren Shepard became drummer, but before that, in two thousand. Three or four, no, it would have to be 2003 because Dougie was in Cuba with us the first time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Douglas Rattle became bass player. The
2: mm-hmm.
1: So we had a configuration of Moyen that was different and I think it's important to represent what your band sounds like at various stages of your development. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted us to record again and we did not have the option of a large recording space like Caribbean Songbase.
0: Songbase, not close by then.
1: but Yes, and we, in that we had developed a culture of uh, small home studios,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is fine, but it doesn't allow for...
0: Live um, music, say it.
1: Yeah, for live... <laughs> live music
0: re- recording. Re-
1: real-time playing improvised situations. So that is, when I, that is when I came up with the idea to do the Sound Connection project. And I asked Alexis Vasquez to connect me with, because Cuba has a wonderful way of pairing you with people who are who you should be paired with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To put it simply, so I was paired with three engineers who are of the same age slash generation as myself, yes. with whom I still have relationships. In other words, they, they're thinking of what what you could continue to do after you do this. Then,
2: mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. which
1: definitely stood the test of time with everything that I have done with yeah. cuban brothers and sisters so i asked alexis if i could get the engineering support in trinidad and our longtime friend and song support victor Donovan mm-hmm. would supply the sound and we recorded in clr james auditorium basically
0: it's a college
1: mm-hmm. it's a college but with with sound su- you know support with victor's Sound thing we um, works. um yeah. so I was able to tell them what we what we wanted, some of the things that we needed, they built on the spot, mm-hmm. including a computer. Wow. Yes. Because you know oh. they don't have they didn't they don't have Macs over there, but they say they could build Mac like machines, which is what they did for our recording. So did, and then, then we set we set things up and we recorded the Mbizomoyan album and we also recorded John Arnold's album, I forget the name of the album, no,
2: Mm.
1: but John Arnold also used that facility and I asked Bugsy to come so we could record him too.
0: That song connection I think I came out In about 2010 It wasn't widely distributed In the way that Your other albums Were done admittedly I know it was via Your ethnic music Your ethnic jazz club yeah. I'm not sure if it was In record stores Because I think We made no, a it, couple it, it, At it the
1: time not. No because Bezo Moyen Which is our album That came out of it Yeah I, I pushed that album and I know John was pushing his album, but Booksy had not gone through to completion. So we could not make that extra step.
0: Extra step. In the
1: the sound connection representation of what our project was, mm-hmm. was an agreement from everybody who took part on the project that mm-hmm. I could place their music on this as a compila- com- compilation of what we did. Mm -hmm. um so that is that that is why so in bizomoyen our album is our push for it and john Mm -hmm. arnold's album is was his his first push yeah exactly
0: i have to keep beginning up in a way because as much as i think i know your story i'm learning here today because the important connections you made are that with the cubans yeah gram is the name of the studio that the kind of top studio in, in cuba in Havana at least.
1: Well, Ag Agrem was traditionally top, but right now I think you know there's there's a way in up Ab- there's a way in which Abdallah has matched.
0: Abdallah has matched, okay. But so these these engineers came from which one? egram or Abdallah?
1: Uh the independence, they're really. Independent, okay. Yes, yeah, they're independence. And, you and know, they work for lots of people. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: yeah. And with the, you know, the kind of Cuban-Caribbean spirit, in a sense, when you have something, you build it yourself. Mm-hmm. So you've built a computer and you've created that whole space. But that exchange, I think, is so important because it reinforces something that I think it's a wish list I have. But I mean, I'm not a billionaire. And certainly, as we have discussed before, Caribbean musicians can't get funding to do tours generally. We don't have that kind of state support that the Cubans have. And we, mm-hmm. Our money goes to i don't know to that but our our cultural and, and creative industries are our magic right and and it is really important for individuals to kind of to, to carry the weight on their backs i think jazz club has done it magnificently and i, I have to say this publicly right. on online congratulations to you what you've right. done is almost yeoman service to make that connection because i think that wider carbon connection is so so important and if we dip, if we lose it, it, it our music goes now. These little silos Trinidad music, the Barbados music, Saint Lucia music that might be good for festivals and tourism. But in terms of the whole music, the world sees the Caribbean, fortunately, unfortunately, as one space, and that's where we have to be. We have to compete with the Cubans and those musicians. You mentioned the um the school the uh, Roldan is a, there's a school where they teach young persons yeah. um, jazz artists.
1: They have they
0: have lots, of, lots they and Lots and lots of conservatories. Yeah,
1: they, have, uh,
0: they have, I mean... It's, yeah, it's, it's too much.
1: It's just, <laughs> it
0: we had a, a violinist with uh, William so, William It's so way you
1: can even think about it. It's
0: yeah. just... William Reblehu and I think um the trumpeter, is, well, don't I forget his name, um Alexis Barrow. Um, they, they came up through that system and these fellas are like... A th- I, I, I've heard a violin play. William Reblu when he has a trio just guitar bass and violin no drum and it's it's pure magic pure pure magic we had him twice on on our show he was just very good Alexis Barrow I think we also had him twice on the show these fellas are like super super musicians and um, there's something about having the ability to play music or go to school and learn music literally from high school all the way through to effectively postgraduate and then work and work and work in terms of performance but you were able to do that but there's a name that kept popping up in our conversation, Bizon Moyen. <laughs> you, you've released an album, Bizon Moyen, I think in 2020, 2013, and, and there was the flag of Haiti. Or, and there was something about this, the, the concept of, let me rephrase this. There was the images evoke Haiti to me, and you've already dealt with the Cuban connection. Is Haiti part of your, your worldview in terms of your music and your music development? Just that's one question, and then tell me about the development of Imbuzo Moya and the album.
1: Okay. Well, definitely Haiti is central to our existence here in the Western Hemisphere.
0: Thank you very much.
1: As African heritage people. Definitely. And central to our liberation and our understanding of self. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Now,
0: emancipation. That's it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so, and our independence and everything
0: and everything connected to uh, it mm. it is
1: not some person in England who decided that it's time to stop um
0: Chantal Azzel tell them uh, they have not heard it
1: cattle slavery mm-hmm. it, it was not. It was because of the action in Haiti and the economic repercussions mm. that that rippled and helped us to shape ourselves in the way that we are shaped. Haiti is a breath away from Cuba. Mm-hmm. Santiago is a breath away. Jamaica is a breath, breath away. away. Haiti, mm-hmm. everybody is a breath away. So Haiti is central, our understanding of spirituality, existence, and music. So it is central to all those things. We may not have picked it up at the source, but we would have picked it up too close to the source. Mm-hmm. I understand myself to be coming from uh, descendants of African peoples who may have had ancestry in um uh, speaking islands I wouldn't even say French uh like Dominica and uh, do Martin, sure. mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so um i wouldn't I wouldn't call family name, but th- definitely from that and I understand Trinidad was not a very highly populated place and the cellular population in seventeen eighty three many of the people who would would have had to be running away with their property, which included people from Haiti, would have landed here. Mm -hmm. So Haiti is central to our understanding of music, spirituality, cultural presence and, you know.
0: Existence. existence. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, so definitely Haiti is central. When we were doing Mbizu Moyen, Haiti had had a catastrophic earthquake happen. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote a Three minutes, maybe four minutes, I can't remember how long it was tribute to that. And that is included in the album. The name of the song is Haiti. On the black thing, which in retrospect is perhaps not the best graphic, because it's a black thing that you does not pop out to the. Doesn't you
0: pop out, yeah. yeah. So, when you shrink it, you don't see it. Mm-hmm. You
1: don't see it. So, mm-hmm. um, but that was the idea when 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 the when the flag was placed there, and the uh, the larger vision is uh, the larger the uh, other part of the, uh, the visual is the last maroon, blue, in the conch shell, mm. because we hear grieving Blowing and beaten for somebody to hear us on the other side. So that was um, that was that was how that was represented in that album.
0: Tell me yeah. about the compositions on that album. I know you already said that two other tracks were written when you were still at Berkeley back in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. What about the other compositions?
1: Well, Final Farewell was was representative at the time. I, I think that as much as you could, your music's supposed to say something, so you're supposed to channel what you're thinking and you understanding of things so as as best as you can wherever you act right so final farewell was what I conceived to be departure from that side of the world to this side of the world mm-hmm. so I think it was in keeping with what I was thinking would about you call
0: that the middle passage or is, is that yes the that I've middle
1: used? passage Yes, okay. the middle mm-hmm. passage is the word, that piece of trauma that and Mbizu Moyen Mbizu Moyen is coming from a different space but it's it's on the album because as I said the album was also representing our configuration at the time Mbizu Moyen I wrote that I wanted a piece that meant your your call to purpose or being Mm -hmm. and I had a friend a South African friend at at school Tabo Letzato and I asked him how he would say that um, how he would say that. And well, being from South Africa, he spoke about five languages, mm-hmm. might be seven, I forget. So he gave me three options and it was lax of me to not know which language each option was in. Mm-hmm. But the one that I took as being a call to purpose or being mm-hmm. was Mbizo Moyen. And that's where I took the name of the group to, Moyen.
0: Moyen. So, now, I wanted to ask you that question I, I forgot to ask it at the very beginning Moyen just remind me again Moyen was what language what what does it mean
1: well again I I was asking me not to ask Sabo, I should find him on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> and, and ask I'll him, ask him <laughs> I'll show you on Facebook if mm. you, you lose track of somebody and you haven't seen them and he has gone on Facebook yeah. Could, could yeah, literally people but, have, honestly, I went to
0: school up, with. I just plugged and, in into Facebook Bobby pop up yeah <laughs> <laughs> so am I am I correct because I understood that imbeza was a south african language yeah, imbeza Moyen. so
1: I'm not sure if but it's,
0: Moyen is also a word in a, in the south yeah, african yeah that's language.
1: where I took it from I took oh. I took Moyen as as part of that call to purpose and mm. I, again you know in retrospect you know you know it, mm. it, it means average in french so that is that is why because I thought it was a french
0: English. sounding word I didn't know the meaning you just said average you're above average what you've done is more than average so I don't know if a, <laughs> you are taking the word average, but there's a band called Average White Band, so who knows?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but um, in Bezo so you learned that phrase back in school at, at Berkeley in yeah, From Thabo, yeah. Oh, well, look at that. So the name has been there for quite some time. Thanks, okay. Thabo, for the name. Yeah, so Inbizomoyen, so 2013 you had this new album. What what was it the, the success out of Inbizo going forward?
1: Well, we went back to Havana.
0: <laughs>
2: <Hey>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't, don't laugh if you mean, it, it works.
1: <laughs> uh, we went back to Havana in 2014. Mm. Um I I I'm trying to think, huh? Yeah? I've been every time someone asks you to To like do something like this, like an interview, or mm-hmm. to hear your work or something, what do you give them? The truth. What do you What do you give them? You have to. I, to me, I am. I think it's fortunate that if someone asks for music from Moyen, mm-hmm. I have music from Moyen that was properly recorded and mixed in a certain way and represents our thought processes and is our original music. That I get to continuously offer. That's part of it. To say that it's been an economic success would be completely false. But right. to say that it has it has added value to our to part our of the, part of the local heritage.
0: canon. Yeah. It's part of yeah. the canon. You can't deny that, right? I, I as I said, my my thing has always been record, record, record. I had a conversation the other day with Andy Nerell, who has produced a lot of Panjas recordings. Yeah, it's suggested that nowadays it's more than record, record. Now it's video, video, video because of yeah. the, the era that we live in. Mm-hmm. But, um, as your, as your people at Berkeley told you, if, if, if it matters, record it. If you, if you think this is, well, not valid music, but I think the phrase you had used is something, if it matters, record mm-hmm. it. And I'm keeps telling artists, but I'm also aware, as you discovered when you're recording the first album, it costs money, it right? Does. And, and is this is not necessarily music that you can record in your bedroom. Events. maybe a piano solo or something like that. But um, to get that live experience with your live band, it costs money so that I'm aware that is as easy as it is for me to say, record, record, record the harsh reality is hey, it, it. Give me the money. Sure, I'll do it. That is probably a label system may help. You already have created the ethic jazz club. Mm-hmm. I don't know if have you ever tried to think of developing a kind of community of that incorporates some business aspect that will Assist musicians to record.
1: I am only now thinking about ways mm. to have that work, you know, and I, I think it's, it's really trying to trying to to find the common point where 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 I could think of what do people want because when we were doing Sound Connection, I had invited other artists
2: mm-hmm.
1: to come and record since we were creating that space, you know. Mm-hmm. What was the response? It was, it was, the the response, response was just was it well, what it was? Just John Arnold. John Arnold. and think about John Arnold's background. Mm. John jump on it one time. He say, one "How much? Mon- mm. How much money we had to do so so so?" Mm-hmm. Talk to carry and come in one time, mm-hmm. right? Um, books, you say. You know, you know you where's know, the shop? He said, "The Cuban say again, John. Yeah, man, no, 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 no. <laughs> talk, to, talk, to, talk the to, to kid, talk the kid." Mm-hmm. And they bring in money, you understand? Mm-hmm. But uh, not a lot of people could have latched onto what I was offering. I had even done, I even offered a workshop day for Adolfo and Luis. And they too do a workshop on, you know, recording. Recording, sound engineering. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, sound engineering. A few people came to that. I can't remember who at this point. I think about five people came to that.
0: you I don't know, the assumption is that you're hoping for more than five. I mean, yeah, a masterclass okay. would be five, but a workshop could be many more than five.
1: Oh, many more than five. I mean, if we had twelve people, that would have been nice. You know, I I don't think of our market as being very large. We're just mm-hmm. a million people here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I
0: could yeah. talk from the point of view of I kind of been as I said, I've been a fan of this music since Clive, Zander. But um I got involved I Sean Thomas himself, you you called his name earlier. He was if I think he came, not I think he definitely came up with Jazz Artists on the Greens. Um, some years later he we separated about 2010, he left and formed his own organization and he's now migrated. But the idea of this idea of Caribbean Jazz, I've something I've always said, Let's. it's easy to bring somebody from the states, they charge you a million dollars. But what we have to do is develop this audience because I think Concerts nowadays are, are what they call experiences, right? And it's a lot of people doing things, wearing clothes and looking pretty and drinking drinks and that kind of thing. The music doesn't in our situation hasn't necessarily gone to the background, but it's still part of the whole aesthetic of being part of the a jazz scene here in Trinidad. There is a market, it's not as large as soccer. I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you we have thousands, thousands plural, of people banging banging to get the latest recordings or the latest performances. But the live experience obviously has taken precedence over the recorded experience. The recording um, sales and that kind of stuff—that were recording business—but it's still an important tool to have, according to you. They heard your record, and it's partly how you got to some the Grenada or one of these other venues, in, one of these other jazz festivals. So and and Cuba, where Maestro Chucho heard your record, so that is—it's it's so so important to record. But the business of music ain't easy. And I think it's this slightly it's it's scorned upon, we're looked upon as hobbyists. And I don't consider anybody who's performing this thing to be a hobbyist, right? Israel, really, Israel, really, you sometimes you have to get a second job as it was. But um I think and I'll say it again, I think what you have done in terms of developing a framework for understanding this music that we create here in the Caribbean and and creating a space that little lounge, your home concerts you do, just about 25 people per per time. It reintroduced me to Earl Rodney. I didn't have his recordings and I was able to get recordings. Um, Clive Zander had a a CD copy of his first album, which I didn't have. And the album I had got a little scratchy and things. So I was very very happy to get that. Your role in terms of presenting Caribbean jazz to Caribbean people slightly underwhelming because not necessarily your fault, but how we as a community have accepted you. I don't want to suggest that it's because you're a woman. I'm not going to say that. But... I hope that this podcast could do something to elevate what Chantal Esdell and Ethnic Jazz Club is doing for this music that we love here in the Caribbean and Sydney, what we love here in Trinidad and Tobago. My TED Talk is over. Chantal, I think you hinted somewhere earlier that you're planning a brand new album. Tell us about the future of Chantal Esdell and Moyen. In
1: 2017, maybe 18, Vaughan was joined as drummer. hmm and uh so and natasha joseph has been playing pan with us for quite some time
0: double second uh, our Mm -hmm.
1: our next album will feature them well not feature them they will be on the next album because as i said you you, you get to to record your you're at Hmm. the configuration of your band at various stages so Hmm. we should be recording that within the next few weeks and to keep uh, uh on track with Moyen, of course we have our website www chantal and Moyen. Yeah, dot com e n d yeah com and uh, ethnic jazz club also has a website which is a little bit longer because it's one of those free websites yes <laughs> so hopefully if you google it it'll if you come google
0: up. it' will come up yeah but I, I what you've just said there was, was another thing i I always remember Laura Dorish, my partner in another podcast, we asked this question of musicians that we always talk to. Do you have a website? And four out of literally, the first time we had asked that question, we were in a conference and four people out of a hundred persons put up their hands. And I think it's probably worse now because people have to understand the business of music is the business of music. That's where we are. Whether you're playing jazz, soccer, pop, whatever the deal is, get with the program. When do you plan to release that album? Yeah. Are you recording in the next few weeks? When do you plan to release it?
1: I can't give a release date because that will that will depend on some finance issues.
0: Oh, so recording
1: that... is, yeah, recording is one step. So mm-hmm. we we would hope to do that within the first in twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three.
0: Yeah. Um, yourself, Terry, Clifford, Childs, all promising brand new albums in twenty twenty three. I'm happy for that as a as a fan, as a listener, as a reviewer, and as a concept producer. We need to get the, the world has is waking up after COVID nineteen. Hopefully, bright, yeah, bright things will happen for the, the industry going forward. Um, Chantal, I have to thank you very much for this conversation. It's been thank a, you long, for me.
2: a yes. long time
0: coming. And um, I, as I'm happy of what you've done and happy that you put into the public domain this idea that the Caribbean space is important. And we have to be proud of who we are, and proud of what we've done, and proud of what we can be. And you have already shown that, showcased that by original composition, connections that are important and a vision that includes us as Caribbean people. Chantal Ezell, thank you very much.
1: You're most welcome.
0: Island Jazz Chat has been a production of Jazz in the Islands magazine, powered by iradio.tt.